Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. We are in a series called Escape Plan. I missed last week. Um, how many of y'all were here last week when Wyatt kicked off our series, right? Didn't Wyatt do a good job? I live streamed. Um, I'll be honest, y'all were sitting here um, in your chairs, and I was live streaming from the Krispy Kreme uh, drive through line, and the hot light was on. Um, so as I was waiting for those... Uh, melt-in-your-mouth donuts. I was listening to Wyatt, and I think he did an incredible job explaining um, temptation and how everybody needs an escape plan from temptation. Um, And we're going to build off that tonight. Um, But as we do it, I'm going to bring up um, a slide here. And um, how many of y'all, you did these when you were kids, or maybe uh, when you you still do it? Yeah, do the mazes. Yeah, And, and, and it's hard to do, right? How, can you can you look at can, you, don't, you don't think this one's too bad? No. Can you look look at it and see if you can find the way from the beginning to the end? I'm going to give you like 15 seconds. See if there's like a super super genius here. Um, it took me about five minutes, and I was able to solve it. And that is how I solved that maze. Um, you guys are probably a lot smarter than I am. Um, but mazes are interesting. Uh, anybody know the secret to, 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 sol- to doing a maze and solving it quickly? Backwards. Backwards. Is that what you're going to say, McKaylee? Erase the, walls. <laughs> Erase the walls. So that would work. But yeah, to go backwards, right? You start at the bottom or you start at the, the end and you figure out, you know, you kind of meet in the middle. You figure out how to, how to get there. Um, tonight, we're going to be talking um, in our second ser- lesson for Escape Plan. We're going to be talking about dead ends. You know what I mean by dead ends? When you get to a, when you get get to the de- the end of a, you know, you're going through a maze, and oh, we're not ready for Cinderella yet. Um, when and, and you get you get to you, you're going through a maze, and you, and and you get stuck. You take the wrong. How many have been to the corn maze? How many have been when it's not haunted, but you actually have to work your way through the maze? It makes me feel really, 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 really stupid, because I either end up going in a circle the whole time, or I go to this place where I'm just at a dead end. Um, and yeah, those are fun when you're at a corn maze, um, but how do you get through the maze of life's challenges and life's trials and temptations? Um, you, if you look around culture, culture may have some, some, some messages for you. Um, you may have kind of like the Disney, uh, the Disney message, and that's, the, yeah, that's where Cinderella comes from. Um, you know, what's the song, Cinderella, no matter how your heart is grieving... I'm not going to try to sing it. I don't have a Cinderella voice. Um, If you keep on believing the dream that you wish will come true, Disney says follow your heart. Disney says pursue your dreams. Disney says find the hero inside you. And it will lead you home. You know, that's how you get through, through, through life's maze. Trust your instincts. Go with your guts. But then there's other kinds of maybe movies and culture, kind of like the bro movies, that say you just need to suck it up, buttercup, and deal with it, right? You need to go all Hulk on people and just just bust your way through life's challenges. But if you're honest, you've probably tried both of these methods at different points in your life. And to use the words of Dr. Phil, how's that working out for you? Well, usually when you follow your heart, some of you, I I probably shouldn't even say, but some of you maybe, if I say the word ex-boyfriend, if I use the phrase ex-girlfriend, 
A picture that comes in your mind, a person that comes up in your mind, is someone who at one point you followed your heart, went out with her, went out with him, and how's that working out for you? Right? Same thing, you tried to work your way and slash and burn through a problem, right? And how did that work out with you? You made a lot of enemies, you made your teacher mad, you ticked your parents off, and you're right back to square one. So how do we work through life's mazes? How do we work through the maze of temptation is what we're going to talk about tonight. The big idea is that I can escape temptation when I trust God's plan and I, or when I trust God's heart and I follow his plan. So if you if you have your Bible open, go ahead and turn to James. If you're not Go ahead and turn there. If you don't have your Bible, you can look at it on the screen here. I'm going to have the main verses that we're going to like really zoom in on. But before we read, um, one thing you'll want to know about the book of James, it was written to Christians who were struggling with uh, a lot of challenging things in their life. And it was written to Christians who were struggling with temptation. What is temptation? Wyatt talked about it last week, and he did a great job of, like, kind of covering what it is. When we think of temptation, you know, we think of, like, you know, the, the, the your cartoon's angel on one shoulder, you know, like, you should do the right thing. And then we think of the devil on the other shoulder, do it, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and trying to get you to make a moral decision between right and wrong. And that's part of temptation. Wyatt talked about that, how that, it, can mean, it can mean being tempted to do something that's morally wrong. But temptation can also mean to, to, to believe or act or think in a way that undermines our faith in God. So temptation can be a temptation of faith or it can also be a temptation of greed. It, it can lead us to be very self-centered and self-focused. So when we talk about temptation, we see the word temptation or we see the word trial. It's the same Greek word, perismos. In James chapter 1, a total of five times, but we're going to look in here at verses 13 through 15, but by the end of the, the lesson, we're going to kind of have the whole chapter covered, but let's look at verses 13 through, four, through 15. It says, let no man say when he's tempted, I am being tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when fully grown, brings forth death. So in these three verses, what I want to do is I want to show you, in these three verses, I want to show you four dead ends. If you're struggling with temptation or you're going through challenges in your life, four dead ends, four directions that you should not go if you're trying to escape or you're trying to endure temptations and trials. But after those four dead ends, we're not going to spend as much time on those four dead ends because if you've ever read, the, how many of y'all have read the book of James? You've gone through the book of James. One thing you know is James is a book of action. James is not a book that's meant to be read. James is a book that's meant to be lived. Most of James is saying, do this, live this way. So once we identify the four dead ends, we're going to talk about how to live it. And we have A words tonight, six A words, how to live it, how to escape temptation. So let's dig in and let's look at the four dead ends. The first dead end we see in verse 13 is the blame game. Look back at verse 13. It says, let no man say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God. 
We tend to blame two different people for when we mess up and even when we're tempted. First we blame God and then we blame others. And the first time anybody was ever tempted is recorded in the Bible in Genesis 3. If you've been around church or Christianity for any length of time, you know how it went down, right? Adam and Eve were in a garden. God created them perfect for each other. He gave them the greatest job in the world, just manage paradise. He said, don't eat of this tree. He gave them a choice. He gave them free will. And what, did, what happened? Satan took the form of a serpent. Satan deceived Eve, and Eve deceived Adam into disobeying God, eating that fruit, plunging us, humanity, into sin. And then God shows up. You heard this story before? You know how this works? God shows up. And he says, Adam... What's up? I put, you, yeah, I put you in paradise, in the most beautiful garden. I made a female companion just for you. You didn't have to date around. You didn't have to figure out who the right person was for you. It's you and her, and I put you in the garden, naked, in paradise, and you had two jobs. Name the animals and make babies. How did you mess this up, Adam? And what did Adam say in response to God? He says, the woman, he didn't actually blame Eve if you listen. He said, the woman that you gave me caused me to eat. So he's kind of blaming Eve, but who does he who is he really blaming? He says, the woman that you gave me, he blames God. And how often is it, if you really think about it, do we blame God for the temptations and the trials and challenges in our life? We think, if God wouldn't have put me with this crazy, screwed up family, if God wouldn't have put me in a family where I go to my, I live with my mom and I see my dad every other weekend, if God wouldn't have put me in a family where my grandparents live with us and it's so weird, if God wouldn't have, if God wouldn't have put me in, you know, you know, Dung Bottom, West Virginia, if he would have put me in a town where there's actually stuff to do, I'd be a more interesting person. If God didn't do this, if God didn't do this, we think we would be in a better condition. We think that we would not maybe struggle with certain things that tempt us. But what, is, what does the Bible say? It says God cannot be tempted with evil. But look at what else it says. He says, nor does he tempt any man. He himself tempts no one. When I, th- I read this, I think about the story that we read in the Bible of Job where Satan wants to entice Job to sin. Who's the one who enticed Job to sin? It wasn't God. God allowed Satan to do things in Job's life, but it was Satan who enticed and Satan who tempted Job. God does not tempt. If you actually look um, later in the passage, what you see in verse 17 is that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above, comes from God. So God doesn't tempt us. God puts things in our life to make us more like Jesus. God puts things in our life to build our character. God does not tempt us. The temptation does not come from God. But we also should learn from this that temptation isn't somebody, the temptation we struggle with is not somebody else's fault either. You know, Adam said, the woman who you gave me. He's actually blaming both Eve and God. And how often do we blame others for the temptation that we're experiencing? I happen to know that Christian guys are really bad about this. They say, I wouldn't struggle 
with impure thoughts if people would not dress like skanks. Actually, I had somebody tell me that one time. But what does it say here? What does it say in the, what is it? Well, first off, what did Jesus say? Jesus said, if your eye offends you, you should pluck it out, right? But what does it say here? It says in verse 14, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by what? By somebody wearing something inappropriate? It says, when he is enticed by his own desire, his own desire. Do you see where God places the responsibility when it comes to temptation? He places the responsibility with me and he replaces the responsibility with you and how we react and how you react to your own temptation. We do this all the time. We think if the teacher wouldn't make the test so hard, I wouldn't be tempted to cheat because the teacher knows that everybody's cheating so the teacher then in turn makes the test like double hard because they know everybody's gonna cheat so if I don't cheat, I'm at a disadvantage against the other people who are like all comparing their answers so like it's really the teacher's fault. Like, it's really my parents' fault that I'm always, like, ticked off and I'm always upset because if they would just leave me alone for five seconds, I would be a much more happy person. Like, like if my parents would give me this much space, like, I wouldn't be going off on people. But what does the Bible say? It says, each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. So, so often we play the blame game. We blame God and we blame others, but if the responsibility is with us for the way that we react to trials and temptations, how's that gonna work out for us? We're gonna be right back where we were because the responsibility is with us. The next blame game that we play is the, I call it, it's the Disney one. It's follow your heart. It's follow your heart. Look in verse 14. It says, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by what his own Desire. That's that Greek word epithema, which has, you know, here's some other translations and ways that it's translated. It says lust, desire, craving, desire for what is forbidden, the passion and rage within a person. Cinderella says follow your heart, but what does the Bible say about your heart? I wrote down a few verses that tell us about our heart. Jeremiah 17, 9 says that our heart is deceitful and beyond cure. Psalm 44, 21 says that God searches and knows our heart and our innermost thoughts. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 say that our heart is something we're supposed to give to God and trust him with it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Jesus said in Matthew 7 that what's in our heart will come out in our lives. And Galatians 6, 17 says that inside us, in our heart, there's a battleground between our flesh, our old person after we were, you know, from before we were saved and, and the spirit. It says the spirit desires things that are contrary to the flesh and the flesh desires things contrary to the spirit. So there's a battle going on in our hearts and our thought is, and too often we go by, I wanna do what I feel like is right. I wanna do what feels good. And, and this is the way that pretty much everybody operates. Unfortunately, a lot of Christians operate. They say, if it feels good, do it. So that means that, 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 that means if it feels right to just go off on somebody, you ever heard this term, I had to vent? If it feels right to go off on somebody, well, let them have it. You know, rip them up one side and down the other. If it feels right to compromise morally or sexually, do it because that's the way you feel. But what does the Bible say? The Bible doesn't say that feelings are supposed to drive our actions and our faith. The Bible says that faith is supposed to drive our feelings. 
Feelings aren't bad, but they have to be driven and they have to be guided by something. So it says that each person is, is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Now here's where it gets interesting and here's where I, I love, I just love the Bible. The more you dig, the more interesting it gets. See that word lured and see that word enticed? Some of you are gonna really like this. Some of you may just roll your eyes. Those are both outdoorsman terms that were used during Bible times. The word for lured is the word excelco, which was a hunting term. And the word enticed is the word delazo, which was a fishing term. So let's start with the hunting term. It means to lure an animal into a trap. It says that our desires, the way that we feel, when we operate off of the way we feel, it's like lure, we lure ourselves into a trap. I brought some different um, methods. I, I like to hunt. Bow season starts on Saturday for deer. So, some ways that I like to lure deer. Some of you may know what some of these are. Um, the first one, you know what this is? Anybody have a pack rack? It's meant to mimic the sound of two bucks that are locking horns and fighting. So if you're out there wanting to shoot a big buck, you make it sound like there are other bucks in the area and big, big, big daddy buck's gonna say, hey, there can't be other bucks in my domain. I'm gonna come see what's up. And here's the sound of those bucks fighting and he comes right in front of your tree stand and pow. There's another way that you can lure a deer in. This is my uh, deer call. And I can make some different sounds with this. I can make the sound of a buck. I could make the sound, now this is, this is, this, this is like music to a, a big buck's ears. This is the sound of a doe that wants to, uh, we'll say, date. <laughs> now that sounds weird to you, but if, if, if there were a buck anywhere in here, he'd be, yeah, he'd be putting on some Barry White, he'd be coming over real quick. <laughs> or, <laughs> some of you are looking at me so weird. And I can even make the sound of, a, of like, like a fawn. Isn't that cute? <laughs> Here's another trick. Bucks, when they're ready to mate, they make what's called scrapes underneath trees. They move all the, some of you know what I'm talking about. They move all, the, Trevor's like nodding his head. They move all the leaves out and they, they pee in it. And then when there's a doe that comes around that's looking for a boyfriend, she smells his scrape and she pees in it. So what I do is I find a scrape and I use what's called a scrape bomb. I tie it above the scrape and I fill it with my favorite brand of dough urine. Did you know you can buy this at Walmart? Yeah, I fill it with, and it drips the dough urine in the scrapes so that deer keeps coming back and keeps checking his scrapes. So enough about hunting. So what the Bible says is that we're enticed just like a deer is to dough urine to our own desires. It's, it's, it's us, it's within us. Then it uses a fishing term. <laughs> I won't kill you. So it uses a fishing term. I'm all tangled up in here. I got tangled. Um, it, it uses this term to lazo, which means to entice a fish with bait. One thing I, I, I've learned as, as someone, I've fished pretty much my whole life, is that different fish bite on different bait. This is one of my favorite. It's the purple culprit worm. It's got bits of real bugs in it when they make it. 
and I'm going to cast that. And when you, when this goes by the right fish, it's almost, it triggers almost an animalistic response in a fish and it just bites. It almost can't help it. I have all kinds of other lures. Um, some of you guys could bring in much more elaborate, but I got some spinner baits. I've got, I can't remember what this is called. It's called like a scum buster or something. I got some spin baits. This is one of my favorites. It's the crick hopper. I got the little salamander. But here's what I learned. Different fish bite on different baits. Different Christians have different desires and orientations and are tempted with different things. And Satan is really good at it. You know, we can't blame the devil for our response to temptation, but, and we're gonna learn about it next week. Satan is a master at baiting the hook. He knows exactly what it's gonna take to get us to go from zero to 100 when we're in the room with our parents and we're so ticked off. So do you, do you see how this, when we follow our heart, it's like a fish following a lure right into the fisherman's boat. So we follow our heart sometimes. The next dead end is, is that we try to change our behavior. We try to change our behavior. And you may have unfortunately heard this from a lot of Christians and maybe even at a lot of churches. Change your behavior. You know, if you struggle, you know, with, with pornography, you just need to stop looking at it, you've been told. Like, if you, if, you, if you struggle with anger, you just need to calm down. Didn't Taylor say something like that too? Anyway, you just need to calm down. But what does it say here in verse, four, in verse 15, the beginning of the verse, it says, desire when it's conceived, it's like a, a, a medical term, desire when it's conceived gives birth to sin. So do you see how sin, just trying to stop sinning is not gonna fix your problem when it comes to temptation because it says that it starts with desire. It starts with following your heart and it leads to sin. So a lot of people say, you just need to change your behavior. You just need to do better. And a lot of Christians try to put a Band-Aid over a bullet hole. I Googled Band-Aid over a bullet hole and it was just way too disgusting. So this is the picture I put. It's just a Band-Aid with like blood coming up through. Sometimes we just try to put a Band-Aid over our problem. We don't fix the source. What is the source here of our, of our sin? It's the desires that are within us. It's the desires that are within us. The fourth, the fourth dead end is beginning without the end in mind. Remember we talked about the maze and how you, in order to do the maze, it's best to start at the end and work your way back so you know which way you're supposed to go. It works the same with temptation. Look what it says. It says, when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. My math teacher, uh, when I was in high school, had a, a sign that was above her uh, 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 dry erase board, and it said something to the effect of, let the choices you make today be the decisions that you can live with tomorrow. And one dead end when we're dealing with temptation and we're going through difficult times is to not think about how the reaction and our, the response today is going to affect our tomorrow. We see here that desire gives birth to sin and sin brings forth death. Ultimately, everybody has to pay for their sin. Those who of us who have been saved, who put our faith in Jesus and have been forgiven, Jesus paid the price for our sin, but there are still consequences of our sin that we deal with on earth. 
right? We, we, we lose fellowship, that relationship, that closeness to God because there's sin that is, yeah, that, that is in our lives. We alienate the people around us because of sin in our lives. And, and, and sometimes we even find ourselves just feeling just dead because we've let sin into our lives. We've not responded correctly to temptation. We have to begin with the end in mind, not begin without the end in mind. So there are some dead ends. There are some ways that we could respond wrongly or poorly to temptation. But James is a book of action. James is a book that tells you, here's how to live. So as we wrap it up, I want you to write, if you are taking notes and you are writing these things down, I want you to write down these six A words, six ways that we can trust God's heart and follow his plan when it comes to temptation. Here's what's so cool. If you have a Bible, they're literally all in James chapter one. And we're just gonna go through the chapter and we're gonna see them. And the first A word is change your attitude. Look at James chapter one, verse two. It says, count it all Joy, my brothers, when you meet trials. Same word for temptation, just noun form. When you encounter trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Are you, you, you say, Matt, are you telling me that every time, like, every time I'm tempted to do something immoral, I should be like, God, thank you for this temptation to do something immoral. That is not what I'm saying, but what the Bible says is that we're supposed to consider it joy because we have before us an opportunity to grow. We have before us an opportunity to do the right thing. And you know, if maybe you struggle with a particular sin, there's this one thing that you just feel like you're addicted to or you can't get over, here's why you can count it joy that you're in this trial. It's because when you say no to that temptation, when you respond in a way that honors God, you know what starts happening? You become stronger, and the next time that temptation comes around, it will be easier to say no, and it will be easier to say no, because God is producing something in you. It doesn't just say it in verse two. Look down to verse 12. It says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he endures, he will receive the crown of life. So if you are under trial right now, maybe it's a moral temptation, maybe it's a, a crisis of faith, uh, maybe you're just going through terrible, you just, you're in this terrible funk right now and you're, you're, you're holding on to your faith and you're working through it, you are blessed because when you come on the, out on the other side of it, you're gonna be more like Jesus. It even says in verse 25, if you, if you obey the Bible in the midst of your trial, you will be blessed. So look at the person next to you and say, you will be blessed. <laughs> say it in a weird way too, you know, you know, creep them out a little bit. So we need to change our attitude. When we have trials in our life, we usually think, oh my goodness, there is something wrong with me. No, God is working in your life. The next A word is we need to ask God for help. I love the promises of the Bible and I love to pray them. It's like God has given us blank checks that we can take to the bank of heaven and cash them every time. And this is one of the, maybe my favorite blank checks that God has written to us in all of the Bible. And it's written in the, the situation of, or some people say the context of, going through challenges and trials and temptations. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, anybody here lack wisdom? I, I raise both hands. I really lack wisdom a lot of times. If you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously Without reproach, and it will be given to him. 
If we ask in faith for God to give us wisdom, it's a, it, it's a, bat in a thousand. 100% every time we ask and when we ask with faith and we ask with the right motives that God will give us wisdom to make the right decision in the temptation or the trial that we face, he's gonna give us the wisdom. So we need to ask God for help. We are powerless to withstand temptation on our own. The next is check your altitude. Wyatt talked about this last week a little bit. Verse nine, it says, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and let the rich in his humiliation because like the flower of the grass, he will pass away. What, what the, God is getting at here is, is that everybody is equal when it comes to temptation and when it comes to trials. Just because people have more money doesn't mean they don't have more trials. Actually, there was a philosopher in the 90s who said it like this, mo money, mo problems. Kate knows who it is, so ask her afterwards. Um, but um, just because you're, you, you have a 50 bajillion followers on Instagram doesn't mean you have less problems. Everybody goes through trials and everybody goes through temptations. And if we think we're above it, if we look down, huh, you struggle with that, huh, you can't control yourself, huh, you just stink, you like, like, and, and we think we're better than everybody else, and we think we don't struggle with temptation, we're probably in the more danger than anybody else. So check your altitude. I really like this one, the fourth one, appreciate God's gifts. Look down to verse uh, 16, it says, don't be deceived, my brothers, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. Read this whole section here, it says, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow to change, God never changes, his gifts are always good. Of his own will, this is talking about our salvation, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. When's the last time that in the middle of your trial, in the middle of your temptation, you thought about all of the things that God has given you and all of the things that God has done for you? There's one big one right here. The fact that you're saved. If you put your faith in Jesus, you're saved. The fact that you have the Holy Spirit inside you, the helper, that you don't have to face temptation on your own. Here's a challenge for you. If you're struggling with temptation or your faith is being challenged, make a list of all the good gifts that God has given you. You know what's gonna happen? You're gonna become spiritually fat. You're going to become spiritually fed. And there have been times where I have fished, and I'm sure some of you fishermen have done it too. You can see the fish in the water, and you take every lure you have right past it. This ever happened, guys? And it won't bite. You want to know why? A fat fish don't take no bait. And if you fill yourselves up with the good things that God has done in your life, guess what? you're gonna be a spiritually fat fish and you ain't gonna take no bait. Think about what God has done in your life. There's this incredible, incredible story of, of an early Christian. Some of you may have learned about him, may have read of him. His name is Augustine or Augustine, depending on how snooty you wanna be. Anybody ever heard of Augustine? Uh, I said it both ways, of, of Augustine. Well, Augustine was uh, not a Christian for a long time, and he actually lived in an immoral relationship with a prostitute in his house for years. And then he became a Christian. He gave her das boot. He kicked her out, you know. He said, I can't be in this immoral relationship anymore. And he would walk down the road and she would call out to him to try to get him to sleep with her again and get him to take her back in again. And she would say, Augustine, it is I. Augustine, it is I. Augustine, it is I. And he'd keep walking right on past. And one day, 
she, instead of just as he walked on past calling out to him, she got up and she followed him and she grabbed him by the, grabbed him by the cloak, turned him around and said, Augustine, it is I. And he said, yes, but it is no longer I. That God did a work in his heart and God changed him. And he was such a spiritually fat medieval fish that he wasn't going to take the bait. Appreciate God's gifts. We need to keep moving. The fifth one is accept God's word daily. Move to verse 31. It says, therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. If you want to get a laugh, read the King James Version of this verse. It says like put away all filthiness and, uh, and, and filthy lucre. <laughs> Isn't that a funny word? Filthy lucre. Anyway, uh, it says, therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. That's the Bible. The implanted word which is able to save your souls. And that word save in, in, in the Bible, it's a word, Greek word sozo. Sometimes it means to be saved from yeah, our, our sin and the wrath of God and eternally saved and forever in heaven. Sometimes it's used to mean deliverance, that we are delivered. And in this scenario here in James where it's talking about trials and temptations, it fits that what it says here is that the Bible, God's word, is able to deliver our souls from that tempting situation. Here's what I've learned over my life. It's very simple. You'll probably roll your eyes, but the more you read the Bible, the more victorious you will be over temptation. It's not like a silver bullet, but it, it almost sometimes really is that easy. The more you read the Bible, the more victorious you'll be over temptation. Here's the last one, and we'll get out of here. But it's maybe the most, and these are all important. You can't just like pick, this is not like the Golden Corral, you know, like, like this is not BD's Mongolian Grill. You can't just say, oh, I think I'm gonna do uh, number one, number three. Like, I really don't feel like uh, checking my altitude because I like being snooty. Like, like, they all have to work together, right? Um, but the final one is very important and it's act on God's word. Drew's advancing the slides. He's like, Matt, you need to hurry. You need to hurry. Uh, act on God's word. Look at this. You don't wanna miss this. Verse 22, it says, but be doers of the word, and not hearers only. This is the key to your daily Bible reading. If you just read the Bible and you never live the Bible, two things are gonna ha- one of two things are gonna happen. You're gonna lose interest and you're gonna put it down and you're gonna stop reading it. Or number two, you're gonna start studying the Bible academically instead of studying it for how I can live it out. It says be doers of the word and not hearers only. The one who doesn't do, it says, is like a man that looks in the mirror and forgets who he is. But the one who looks into the perfect law, that's the Bible, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, will be blessed in his doing. You want to find victory over temptation? Live the pages of these books in the hallways of your school, in your bedroom, when you eat lunch, or dinner with your family, live this book out. These are easy to get, but they take some guts to apply. The question is, are you ready to experience victory over temptation by literally following God's plan to find that victory? So I'm gonna pray for you, and we're gonna get out of here. Uh, Father, thank you for uh, just such a, a, simple, a simple thing that you show us in your word. Uh, it's not rocket science. Uh, for a lot of us, it's probably nothing that we've heard before, but it's something that we need to hear tonight and be reminded of. 
that there are ways of handling temptation that a lot of people are doing and we see happen that lead to death, lead to dead ends. But Lord, that you have a plan for us, that you have a way that we can't just escape temptation, but we can emerge on the other side of trials and challenges, being stronger and being more like Jesus. So God, I pray that you'll give us the courage to apply it in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.